0: I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening.
1: scripture reading for today is Colossians 3 1 through 17 or the whole the whole chapter if then you have been raised with Christ seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God when Christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory
0: When my friends and I get together, a bunch of recovering addicts or alcoholics, or uh, it, it can sometimes devolve into what's been called war stories. Those are stories about how things used to be. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they devolve and bring us to a place that we shouldn't talk about. But there's a purpose for them, and it often reminds us of the lengths we would go to and the things that we would do in order to maintain our addictions. And it's something I think that's important for us to recognize today. For, let me give you, a, for instance, you know, I remember one time in 2007, um, I was driving my car from Villa Park uh, East, several suburbs over, probably 10 miles away, uh, to purchase drugs. And I got a flat tire on Roosevelt Road right outside Elmhurst Hospital. You guys know what I'm talking about. So I had a little bit of money in my pocket, and I had the opportunity to call a tow truck or fix the tire. Instead, I chose to walk in the snow in January from that place to where I was going and back again uh, because it seemed like the right thing to do. I remember trudging through the snow. My feet were soaking wet and wondering to myself, what am I doing? Yet there was a compulsion that I had to get that which I thought I needed to live at the time. It was on that walk when I finally realized, without a shadow of a doubt, I was an addict. You see, I knew long before I actually uh, did something about my addiction, before the Lord saved me, that I had a problem, that I had a situation I could not rescue myself out of, and I realized that this was probably just the way it was going to be. I just didn't know what to do. Maybe you're struggling with a sin right now. Maybe you have a secret addiction that nobody knows about. Maybe you have a recurring or habitual behavior, thought, impulse to do something you know that which you shouldn't. Maybe you want to give meaningful advice to the people in your life who too are struggling in one of these ways, but you just don't know what to say. Overcoming sin and overcoming addiction requires God-empowered action. God-empowered action action. You see, God sets the addict free through means, through our obedience and the way that we live, trusting in him for the results that changes our lives and that changes, in turn, our desires. If we don't understand this, uh, we'll end up waiting for God to change what we want. We'll say, Lord, you know what I really want? And I'm going to continue to do it until you change my heart or my proclivity towards this thing. Instead, Jesus wants us to step out in obedience. He wants us to address the sin that so easily besets us. He wants us to live lives of attack and not just defense. So today we're going to talk about some very practical helps in overcoming sin. Today's message is going to move quickly. We're already running late and it's 10 points. 10 points. All right. (laughs) Now. If we get to five and it looks like we're not going to make it, I'll divide it into two and we'll pick it up again in two weeks. Next week we're going to do a family worship with all the kids in here too. I don't want to talk about this stuff at that time. We're going to talk about something else and then we'll pick it up this communion Sunday after that. But then that pushes everything back for me. So we're going to get through these ten points today. Okay, all right. In this passage, Paul is giving us principles for overcoming sin and addiction, by extension, in our lives. These same principles apply to every sin that we deal with and every addiction that we might have a proclivity towards. Now, many of you sitting here, we talked about this last week, might say, well, I'm not an addict. I hope last week might have changed your mind in seeing that we all carry within us the seed of addiction. Any one of us could move from the realm of simple sinning to habitual enslaving sin. So this is an important discussion for all of us to have. There's something in here, therefore, for everybody, regardless of whether or not you struggle with an addiction personally or you simply just want to stop some behavior that you know does not glorify God. And so let's look at Colossians here. Colossians 3, 1 through 17, Paul lays out a whole list of how then Christians should live differently. And if we pick through, we realize that there are a lot of principles that we do not apply to our lives when we're trying to overcome sin. We often will do other things instead of what God has directed us to do through this book. So look what it says. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above and not the things that are on earth. So the first principle for this morning is to stay focused on God. Stay focused on God. This begins with repentance. Oftentimes we feel sorry for our sin. Don't we? Many of you parents know your kids would come and they would say, I'm sorry for what I've done. And what's our response? No, you're sorry for getting caught. You're sorry for the consequences that you are undesirable at this point, but you're not really sorry for the behavior. This is an important piece that... As a recovering drug addict and my friends who are recovering, we recognize this. We cannot just seek to sin, not sin or to live differently for the sake of the negative consequences that we're getting as a result of it. God is the object of our worship, and therefore anything that we do sinfully is an affront to him. We need to have repentance rooted in the idea that we have sinned against God. Now I could look at my life and make a list of all the things, the negative consequences that I had, those are things that I never want to go back to. But those will not keep people clean, and those cannot help people overcome sin. We all know stories of people who struggle with addiction, who seem to choose their chosen addiction over everything. Simply looking at the consequences of our action here on earth is not sufficient our responsibility as children of God is to be looking at our Father and recognizing that our behavior is an affront to him and in true repentance coming before him. We need to stay focused on, the God, on God and the way we seek salvation from our sin. Oftentimes we look for self-help or behavior modification. The other day I was in a local bookstore, a, a chain, and uh, there's a section called self-transformation. And it was things like Wicca, and magic, and witchcraft, and astrology, and the religion section. And then the even smaller, truly Christian religious section was off in the corner somewhere. You see, people are seeking to find ways to overcome the troublesome behaviors and thoughts and proclivities in their life. Yet, they must look to heaven, they must look to Jesus, to find the true solution to their problems Because in the end, nothing else but Jesus Christ can rescue you. In fact, when Jesus left and went home, we celebrate Pentecost today. When Jesus went back to heaven, he poured out the Holy Spirit upon his children. So they would not be alone. So they had the power they needed to achieve what it was that God was calling them to do. Namely, overcome sin and to proclaim his name throughout the world. When we don't focus on God, we spend way too much time focusing on our behavior, our feelings, our obsessions, instead of God and his will and his glory and our healing that he provides. We look at our earthly circumstances. I mean, let's face it, life's hard. Life is hard here. Life throws us difficult people in difficult situations. There's always a reason to be unhappy. When we look around and we consider how life is here, We often find we have an inability to deal with life on life's terms. If my situation were different, I would sin less. If that person weren't in my life, then I would live a different way. Or that person always makes me do this every time they come around. Embracing God's perspective on your life by faith is necessary. If you want to find lasting and meaningful solutions, things that are not just dealing with consequences or behaviors, but on relationship with God, focusing on him and him first. We do this by prayer, constantly asking ourselves, and bringing ourselves before God, asking God to see my situation, the people in my life, my addiction, my behaviors, my sin, through his eyes. But just because we need to focus on God more... Does not mean that we don't focus on what's going on with us at all we just have to do it with reference to God we reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ listen to what he says in verse 3 for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God when Christ your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory so the second principle for overcoming sin and addiction in your life is to die to your old self die to your old self there's mainly three areas that this is really important that we understand. First is we die to old people. We don't go around the people that we used to go around. What's this saying? You sit in a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut? We need to avoid those people who know us how we were instead of knowing who we want to be and supporting us. This is really hard, and it... <laughs> It's really hard. This is one of the prevailing issues for people who are trying to overcome sin and addiction is the unwillingness to give up the people in their life. But in the end, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. You see, there is little chance that we will change the people in our lives, but a much greater chance that they will change us. This is my favorite phrase, missionary dating. I want to date someone, I know God knows and tells, tells me that I need to date another believer. This one's sort of on the fence. I'll take him or her anyway and convert them along the way. Never works. Sometimes we don't want to be, like, we don't want to leave them because they feel comfortable. Or they facilitate our sin. They overlook our bad choices. So their own will not be highlighted. And Sometimes these people are family You know, addiction has been called, and I believe rightly so, a family disease. It's never just one person's problem. Families are systems, and everyone has a role to play. And as they interact with the people in their lives, it's very easy to let old behaviors come back in. And so oftentimes, even family is a dangerous place that we need to be careful of when we're seeking to overcome our sin and addiction. Next week if we get through this message, next week we're going to talk about, since it's family worship, we're going to talk about what it means uh, to help your children properly deal with traumas in a biblical way, telling them truth, and helping them prevent the lies that will often influence the choices that they take for the rest of their lives. And they're going to be in here for this. And so I hope to speak to their little hearts too. So not only do we die to people, but we die to old places. We don't go where we used to go. You don't go on the websites we used to go on to. It seems very obvious, doesn't it? Watch the television shows that we used to watch. Go to bars. I have a friend who's a recovering alcoholic who's a bartender. I think, how is that even possible? I couldn't do it, and I don't know how long he's going to. We need to be very careful about the places that we go. We don't also go to the places in our heads. Overcoming these obsessions requires a change of scenery, not only in our location here, but in our location here. Finally, we have to die and reckon ourselves dead to things in our life, to the sin that we so badly want to do because of our deceitful and sinful hearts. We need to say no to drugs and reckon ourselves dead. Alcohol, sources of temptation, social media, maybe certain types of music need to go, saying no to our sin is only part of the bigger picture we often have to address everything i know that for me uh, when i came out of prison and i turned on the music that i listened to before i went to prison i made it about one minute in i said i cannot even do this and i decided just get rid of it jesus in matthew 5 says if your right hand causes you to sin tear it out and throw it away for it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body to be thrown into hell And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that of your whole body, and it goes into hell. Think about how important it is to live a life for Christ, and if anything gets in the way, God wants it to go. We often come before Jesus and say, Lord, I've given you these 99 aspects of my life, and you know what Jesus' answer is? What about that other one in your pocket? It's great about the 99, but the one thing that prevents us from interacting with the Lord and having the relationships that he so do- long uh, desires for us to have with him is the one thing that we hold on to. That's the issue. So when we die to ourselves, we must live to something else and we live to God alone this is our third principle worship only God Paul says put to death therefore what is earthly in you sexual immorality impurity passion evil desires covetedness which is listen to this idolatry now when I look at this list it seems very easy for me to relate this to my own life and my own addiction I mean sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire and wanting what's not mine But these, in the end, are idolatry. And on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In them you once too, He's saying, you too, Colossians, you did these things as well when you lived in them. You see, the heart of our addiction, we talked about this last week, the heart of addiction, really the heart of sin, is idolatry. Whatever the contributing factors to sin, the basis of it is our need to worship something other than God. Think of your sin. You know what I'm saying. The thing that you just struggle with. That aspect of your life or that choice that is just so tempting. And ask yourself, why do you do this? Frequently, it's not just the pleasure that you might get or the release that you might feel. It's very often a desire to find salvation in something else instead of God. See, the truth is is that we worship ourselves into addiction. And we need to worship ourselves out of it. Just to say, stop doing what you're doing is not enough. We need to do something else, what we were created to do. Worship the one true God. Certainly we do this on Sunday mornings, and these are such beautiful opportunities for the Lord to speak to our hearts. But worship is not just that which happens today. It's a lifestyle of brokenness and submission before the Father. It's the way we orient our lives and worship becomes the basis for every choice we make the question who am I serving who am I serving now as you read this list you might see well I mean sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire and covetousness those aren't me Paul has this ability though whenever he lays out a list of sins it's almost as if he's luring the reader to say oh well that's not me And then a verse later, he adds another list of sins that there's no denying. No, it's you. In verse 8, he says, But now you must put away them all anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. And obscene talk. I think what Paul is seeking to do is Paul is seeking to remind us that we all are sinners. And that the humility necessary to overcome sin and addiction is what it means to be a child of God. We need to have that. Number four, get honest. As we just read about the putting off all um, obscene talk, in verse 9 it says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed after the image of his creator. Here there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ in all, is all and in all. We need to get honest. Each and every one of us, no matter how sold out we are to the Lord, no matter how submitted to the Lord and to walking before him, have the tendency to lie to ourselves. We need to get honest about our own sin about our thoughts, about our motivations, if we're looking at behaviors instead of looking at what's undergirding those behaviors, we're missing the point. We're trying to kill a tree by picking its fruit instead of killing it at the roots. We need to stop manipulating people in circumstances. Well, you might say, I manipulation, that's a strong word. I would certainly never do that. But the next time you're interacting with someone who isn't doing something you want, listen to the voices in your head. Listen to what you're trying or suggesting to yourself that you should do. Manipulation is controlling another person by deceit or seeking to fix the circumstances by putting every piece in its order. We need to stop pretending it's okay. everything is okay and be honest. You know, And this is something that I see in my own life. In the lives of those i deal with all the time why is it that we're just not honest what are we afraid of well first we love our sin <laughs> if i get honest about what's going on i'm gonna have to stop doing what i'm doing because now it's out there it almost makes it real it puts it into reality maybe we want to protect our own image either in our own eyes or before others what would they think something that i've seen and this is a caution to many of you who've walked with the lord for a long time Sometimes later in your Christian walk you'll begin struggling with the disease or with with a specific sin. And so instead of admitting what's going on, the tendency I think is to keep it quiet because then it brings out, well, what about the last you know 20, 30 years of my Christian life? Is that all suspect now? No. Each and every one of us are capable of sinning and being caught in sin at any time. And those things, that sin dies in the light. And it grows in secret. We need to be willing and courageous to know that no matter what happens when we admit what's going on in our hearts, Jesus has us. We're okay. But only then can we expect to find any kind of power for overcoming this sin, any change in our lives. There's a famous phrase, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to say this, but you can't save your butt and your face at the same time. When things are really bad in your life, when you're really struggling with a sin that so easily besets you, you're dealing with an addiction that nobody knows about, it is, listen to this, impossible to overcome it without sharing it with somebody. God has built us in such a way that he wants us to not only hear about forgiveness from him and through his word, he wants to hear it through the lips of our brother or sister. Sharing what is going on in our hearts, sharing what is happening in our lives, is one of the most important ways of growing in our Christian walk because we cannot address issues unless we admit that they exist. Or we don't get honest because we tell ourselves, which is a lie, nobody can relate to me. There's nobody else, maybe in this whole church or in my whole life, who struggles the way that I do. This is a phrase we like to call fantasy uniqueness. Okay? It's a fantasy. Now, your particular situation might be different in the the nuance, but the underlying motivations, behaviors, they're universal across mankind because we are all sinners. We allow human distinctions to create obstacles. Paul here, he he, he anticipates it, so he goes on to eliminate any of the racial, religious, or economic distinctions in the church in Colossae. He says there's no Jew, no Greek, no barbarian, no Scythian. You're all the same. No one's different so get honest. Number five, deal with resentments. It's an important one. Listen to what Paul says. Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. A resentment is holding on to an anger, to a hurt. And holding it against somebody, often without them even recognizing. it, it's been said holding on to a resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Resentments will keep us apart from the Lord and keep us stuck in our sin. They're dangerous. We can feel we have a right to be angry. Hasn't someone injured you in the past and you thought, I have every reason to be angry and I'm going to exercise that option? Anger is a secondary emotion though. What we need to do is realize is that when we're angry with others, there's really an underlying thing happening. Oftentimes I'll ask someone, how are you feeling? Angry. But what are you feeling underneath that that's motivating that anger? If we don't address that issue, we're gonna miss out on the whole whole problem. Anger of any sort is a slippery slope because we will use anger as sinning fuel. I feel bad, I'm angry at that person, I will then, therefore, have a pass to do what I want back, and it's very dangerous. So Paul warns us about acting out in anger. Doesn't he say that? He says, be angry and do not sin. We must forgive those who hurt us. Our God is a forgiving God, and we seek to manifest his character. After all, he is our father. Forgiveness is not easy, though, I admit Yet it's not something we do when we feel like it. We've been commanded to do it. You might say, it's too hard. I cannot forgive this person or these people in my life. But Paul says, put on compassion. Put on forgiveness. It means we have a choice. It's our responsibility. We are not powerless over our sinful behaviors, and we are not powerless over our ability to forgive because we have living within us the Holy Spirit, that moves in us to do that which God desires out of our lives. Six, we're going to go for it. Serve others. Serve others. Fourteen, and above all, of all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You see, love is the self-sacrificing action for the benefit of the other Love is outward facing. It's saying, I'm going to do what's best for you. I'm going to sacrifice something on my end so you can have something on your end. Addiction is a spiritual malady of intense self-centeredness. Intense self-centeredness. Focusing on how I can get what I want. Focusing how I can have what I want. And manipulating others in order to do that. But the same holds true for our sin. This is what our sinful nature is. Our sin moves us to be self-centered, to be self-interested, and to exclude others in order to get what we want. Therefore, we need to fight it by intentionally reaching out to others in sacrificial love. We think about others before ourselves. We take time to listen. We ask others how I can be of service. Every once in a while, I'll get a text. I got a phone call the other day. Hey, Adam, it's me. I just wanted to let you know that I had to go to the doctor, but I got the rest of the day off. I need to know, I'd like to know, is there anything I can do for you today? I had nothing for him to do, but him asking changed something in his heart. It got him out of himself, and is focusing on another person. When we're stuck in our sin, when we're stuck in an obsessive thought, when we're stuck in our addiction, it is easy for us to be all about us. Oftentimes the thing we need to be, to find victory over those obsessive sort of and compulsions that we feel is to get out of ourselves, is to look to others, to serve others. Seven, find and stay in community. Find and stay in community. It says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. I often read this verse, and for a long time I read this verse, as if I trusted the Lord, that I would feel the peace of Christ. What this actually is saying is, the community will feel the peace of Christ. Us, as we're um, submitting to the Lord, putting on the new man, as we're seeking to live in peace, this is the peace that will rule in our community. We were made for community. We were made to have a sense of goodwill and compromise stemming from the unity of the Holy Spirit. And I love that Paul says, and be thankful. And be thankful. And be honest. It's hard living in community without being irritated with people sometimes. It really is. That's just the honest truth. Whether or not it was when I was in prison living in close quarters with guys, or I was in the military, or even in my own home even at the church sometimes it's so easy to forget that we were intended to be blessings to one another we take it for granted and we say to ourselves life would be easier if this person weren't there but God has a different plan Satan and our flesh will use this as an opportunity to place a wedge between us Do you understand that that God wants us to walk together That each of us will stand before the Lord and give an accounting for our lives, but part of that accounting is how did you utilize the family I gave you, the spiritual family. And we really shortchange ourselves in our ability to walk successfully and with victory before the Lord by trying to do it on our own and not investing in the brothers and sisters that we have, not only in our sharing, but in our service to them, in our ability to listen. Yet Satan will bring things along, a quirk, He loves to put two people with opposing viewpoints together to try to drive a wedge between us. Yet Paul is urging us to put on Christ, make the choice to bear with one another in love, to forgive one another, and so let the peace of Christ determine in the life of our church and in the life of our community what is right and what is wrong. Number eight, be about the word of God. Be about the word of God. 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You see, our sin and the thoughts that undergird them are built on lies. Lies. As we grow, as we come up, events happen to us, traumas occur or something, and we end up telling ourselves or believing something that someone else has told us, that's not true. It's not true. It's a lifelong assumption that we therefore base every choice that we make going forward on. And hopefully we get to the point where we realize and we say, oh my gosh, that thing I believed from that event that happened 30 years ago, that's not true. It's in those moments that we often look back at our lives and realize every point that we made a bad decision was built on a lie. We need to be in God's word. It's not just this legalistic need where we get up every morning. We, you know, from some of you guys, like from 4 in the morning to 5.50, you guys are in the word. It's just being about the word of God, letting the word of God be in you. We need the truth to counteract those lies. You know, we ask ourselves, what am I telling myself? What am I believing? And then we compare it to God's word. What does God say? If they are not aligned, we reject our thoughts is wrong. And we trust in God's word instead, even when everything seems to be the opposite. Let all others be wrong. Trust God. Paul says we need to let the word of God dwell in us. Let it move in. Let it move in. Let it take root. Let it move other things out. We often discount what the Bible says as irrelevant or trite. You know, you know, I'm talking about your suffering, and someone comes along and says, "You know, God works everything to the good for those that are called according to His purpose," as if what's happening is okay. Or sometimes, even though it's true. Or sometimes we reject God's word because it induces guilt and shame upon us. We're living a life, a sinful life, or behaving sinfully. Someone says the word of God, and don't we don't allow it to have its intended effect, to convict us and move us to action. Not only do we have the Word of God in us, not only do we dwell in the Word of God, we share it with others, says singing psalms, encouraging one another with hymns and spiritual songs. Number nine, be grateful. This is hard. This is really, really hard. Be grateful. Paul says we do these things, we sing about the Word of God, we share about the Word of God with thankfulness, in our hearts to God. Gratitude is the recognition that you are neither entitled to nor are capable of providing the blessings that you have in life. It's a recognition that everything you have and everything you receive comes from God and God alone. When we have bad things in our lives, when we have struggles, difficult situations, difficult people, we can have gratitude because we can know that in the end, God is the one who allowed that to happen. It's impossible. I know it's a strong word, but it's impo- I've seen it to be a rule that it's impossible to have victory over sin without gratitude because gratitude is the deepest expression of humility. Many times I'm interacting with people who are struggling. And often what I'll say is, did you make a gratitude list? Well, they don't want to talk about that. I'm- What's a gratitude list going to do? Trust me. Just make the longest list you can. Spend a half an hour of your life writing down everything you can be grateful for, even if you don't necessarily feel gratitude for it. But that which you know you should. And universally, when I talk to them later, they say, you know what? I feel different. I feel better. It's bringing truth about what God is really doing in their life instead of believing the feelings the negative thoughts, and the situation on the ground. And really, we need to be humble. James 4, 6, and 7 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. If we want God's power, if we want God's blessing with us, it starts with humility, and that humility issues in gratitude. Our gratitude is an act of submission to God and a recognition that, get this, this is a revolutionary idea, the world doesn't revolve around us. We need others and we need God. And a lack of gratitude keeps us focusing on ourselves and our situation and blinds us to the truth of God's protection, provision, providence, and power. All right, number 10. Here we go. We're on the back stretch. Actually, that might have been about seven or eight, but anyway. Give all the glory to God. Give all the glory to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything In the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him we give glory and credit for our past victory over sin oftentimes I remember not that long ago Lane was sharing with someone at work about my background and the person said something like this well good for him he just really decided to turn his life around and Lane properly said well you know God really came in and did it and they said no but he's the one who did it all yeah that religion he found religion the truth is, is that we can never have victory over sin in the past, present, or future without God, without Jesus Christ. So we tell our testimony. When we've come a long way and people say, wow, you've come so far, Jesus did it. We look to him. Certainly we had a part, but in the end, it's him, isn't it? It says when we get to heaven that we will be given crowns for the achievements that we've, that we've gotten here on earth. And in the end, what do we do? Cast them back before him, before Christ. Because it was he who worked in us. And we recognize that without him, we would have had nothing. We give glory and credit to Jesus for our present battle in the flesh. Yeah, I'm fighting. But I'm going to be okay because Christ lives in me. I have the power of the Holy Spirit. Things are not looking good right now. If it were on me, I would have given up a long time ago. Jesus will have victory over my battle in the flesh. If the battle is too big in your life, you weren't meant to fight it. I don't know about you, i got lots of big battles in my life. That's Christ's work. Give credit where credit is due. Our future willingness to live obediently. I say this, I don't know how things are going to go in the future. I'm not going to assume that I'm going to continue to live an obedient life. I just know I want to today, and Jesus is going to see me through. We focus on him without taking it for granted that we wouldn't fall. We trust him for our future. Because it's a demonstration of the humility, as I said, that is so necessary for us to have victory over our sin. We need to recognize it is only because of the person and work of Christ that we can have victory at all. When we fail, we look to Christ for our forgiveness. Because we will fail. We will fail. When we falter and we can't go any further, we look to Christ for our strength. Trusting that he's going to work through us even when it doesn't feel like it. And when we feel shame, we look to his son, Jesus, as our acceptance and knowing that nothing will separate us from the Father. All right, so now if you missed all 10, this is your opportunity. I try to make them short. Good morning, some of you. Hi, just kidding. Here's the 10. Stay focused on God. Die to your old life. Number three, worship only God. Number four, get honest. Five, deal with resentments. Six, serve others. Seven, find and stay in community. Eight, be about the word of God. Nine, be grateful. And ten, give all glory to him. Now you might say, what an order, I can't go through with it. But I can tell you this, is that applying even a few of these principles in your life to your sinful situation or to the addiction that you're dealing with goes a long way. This is a lifestyle that we're seeking to achieve. This is what it means to live the Christian life. If there are one thing on this entire list, this entire 10 principles that I would say is probably most important, get honest, get honest. You have to share what's going on if you expect to have any kind of victory in any area of your life. First, share it with the Lord, share it with somebody else. Now, if you attempt to do these principles in your own strength, it's simply behavior modification. Right now, it just sounds like I'm telling you to do better need to understand that it's in the power of the Holy Spirit we do our best and trust God to achieve the consequences. We step out and we just say, Lord, I don't know if it's going to (laughs) work. I'm going to trust you that it is and watch God work. Not too long ago, I uh, picked up a key tag in the program I'm in for clean time. And I thought, how did I get there? seems like a blink. It's easy to forget about the hard work and everything that went into it. But the truth is, is that we start with the first step. We just go. We just do it. We get honest and we start living for the Lord and putting on the new self, as Paul talks about here in Colossians. So make the decision today to take a few of these principles and start applying them in your sinful areas of life and in your addictions. Looking to God for the consequences and the Holy Spirit for the power to do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have not left us alone without any recourse for our sin. Lord, you have uh, moved your Apostle Paul to give a list here, to give just a a vision of what life in Christ looks like and not a life that's centered on self and our addictions. We pray, Lord, that you would move each, each one of us. Whether or not we struggle with an addiction or we have a habitual sin in our lives, we pray, Lord, to help us apply these to our lives, even if it were preventative medicine. We pray, Father, that you would give us the power to do this through the Holy Spirit and make it sweet. We pray, Father, that you would do these things for your glory, not that we would be any different, not that we would have the limelight, but, Lord, that you would, that your name and fame would go out as a Savior and as a transformer. We thank you, Lord, for our redemption and the redemption that you will bring through these words. In Jesus' name, amen.